hello. All right, we you know, we are here on a what is it? Was it a Monday? 7:01 p.m. on a Monday evening. It is another week on quite frankly, August 22nd, 2022. A whole bunch of twos out there tonight. 5 to be exact. And I'm happy to have you here. So it's a short week this week. We got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I uh, I leave town with the family, and I'll I'll be back on um, the day after Labor Day. So there you go, a little breather, the one breather a year. I've been making a habit the last two years, so it's almost becoming a it's almost becoming a tradition. But boy, do we have a great week ahead of us. I got Rich Barris on tonight. He's here for his monthly spot. I'm calling it taking out the trash with Rich Barris. Yeah, I'm just going to keep calling it that, I believe. It's just, it's, it's good. It's just the best way to describe what we, do, what we do. Let's take out the trash, and we can go anywhere with it. You know, I was telling his wife, Laura, when I was confirming his, his uh, appearance tonight, I said, I still, I still get emails from time to time about Rich Barris's UFO experience. And I have to find more things to talk to uh, him about that are outside the box and outside of his, uh, his wheelhouse of data analysis and what's going on around the, the country because, man, that was, a, that was a gem. That was a real gem. And she said she got a flood of emails after that UFO story. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we'll have to dig it up out of the archives and re- re-upload it or something. It was a fantastic one. But tonight we will be talking about a whole bunch of stuff. The, uh, the rat face marsupial man, Fauci, with the frog voice, he's gone. He's gone. Hopefully off to an eternity of rotting in hell. But he's at least going to be um, not on the television as much. You, you, you know a media whore like that is not going to be away completely. Somebody will call him out of retirement like an old gladiator to come out and, and help them push one bullshit story or another. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the FBI a little bit because we were we were pretty hard on them last time that Rich was on. And then, of course, August happened <laughs> between Mar-a-Lago and between everything that we are now learning even have, has expanded beyond all imaginable uh, bounds. And that is the Whitmer story, the fake kidnapping. Boy, where do we go? That's just tonight. Tomorrow, we got Leo Zagami coming back on. We got Jason Burmis on Wednesday. We got Jay Gulanello in here on Thursday. Maybe Rob shows up. We'll see how work treats him. But uh, we got a great one here. A good one. A good graded. All right, so let's just get to what we're doing. First of all, thank you to Secret Nature CBD. SecretNatureCBD.com. I will be taking a couple of packs of Secret Nature CBD down to the south by the beach. And uh, enjoying that, mostly at night. But anyway, secretnaturecbd.com. Check them out. All the information you need is on our affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. And then everything else, everything else, just go to the website. Check it out there. They have a great customer service track record as well. So enjoy yourselves. Give Give yourself a staycation while I go away. Okay, here's the first one up. While well, we got a little bit of a announcement from P- Dr. Peter McCullough about the Fauci resignation, this is what he said on Twitter today. 
Dr. Fauci announces his resignation. Notice the NIH announcement makes no mention of the pandemic crisis, mismanagement debacle, suppression of early prescriptions, so pretty much uh, prescription drugs that could have worked, therapies, and uh, V safety catastrophe, or the non-safety catastrophe that has ruined the lives of so many. Perfect oblivion to Fauci as if none of this has occurred. Well, that is what the entire thing has been about. The CDC reversal, where they just back off of everything, they land the plane and then they disappear, they run and they scurry into the woods, so nobody finds them. We did everything we could, we acted under the best advisement, we had all the best staff and we we tried our best. Still over a million people died, not because of us, not because of us, there's no accounting errors, there's no uh, withholding of vital information, there was no adopting of deadly protocols there was none of that stuff no we did the best we can and now there is no discernible advantage overtaking the shot because as the cdc has just said everybody's on the same protocol on the same playing field whether you are vaccinated or unvaccinated all the rules apply and you can go to school if you've been if you've been exposed doesn't matter anymore so they are landing the plane and allowing uh allowing the crew to to run into the woods and disappear forever All right, so moving on from there, here's something I think is interesting, and it's going to preface an appearance of Chris Ann Hall when she comes onto the show, I believe, on September 7th, the day after uh, Corey and Sean from the SGT report come back for our little um, our little board meeting that we usually do every couple of months. Chris Ann Hall is coming back on the eight on the seventh. Now I want to talk to her specifically about this. Now, here's a headline from the New York Post. How selfies fuel the rise or a rise in illegal migrants. You know, that's, that's aside from the Democrats ringing the dinner bell and, um, and Republicans and border states leaving the, the doors open. Governor Greg Abbott is, is busing hundreds of illegal border crossers to New York, but those hundreds will become thousands for one reason. Selfies. Smartphone technology is a massive driver of migration, sending the message to Central and South America of, wish you were here. People in Guatemala, Honduras, Venezuela use their phones to plug into chat rooms and social media networks that serve as real-time intelligence networks. And they tell you where to go and which Texas governor is going to give you a ride to where you were going anyway. So I understand when you get sound bites from someone dumbasses like Mayor Adams in New York who, who says things that are true across the board about what overloading communities with foreign nationals who are completely dependent and mostly illiterate in their own countries come in and how that overloads a lot of things and ruins uh, school experiences for, for those who live here, uh, who grew up here, were born here. Um, ruins immigration for those of other countries that are trying to come here the right way. It ruins everything. So I don't think that the the busing from Texas and elsewhere, when Texas and Arizona ha- are, and not only have it within their right, but actually have a constitutional duty to step up and defend the border when the federal government is delinquent in their duties, they should just shut down the border. That's what they should do override the federal government. It is not only a matter of national security, but also their own state's security, which they must prioritize. 
but they're sending it to D.C., sending them to New York, and people keep cheering this on as if everybody that they're sending to New York and D.C. are going to stay there. They're not going to defuse to Tennessee. They're not going to defuse to Missouri and to Pennsylvania and anywhere else that you think you're safe. I don't understand how accelerating this cloud piven plan for taking everything down that they ha- that the left has already uh, adopted how it, helping them accelerate that is owning them because you got a couple of sound bites from Eric Adams so I'm bringing on Chris Ann Hall I want to talk to her about that like what is within the purview of the states and you know th- does two wrongs make a right so that's uh we'll talk about we'll talk about all of that I voiced my opinion on that on Twitter not too not too uh, long ago, and I got a couple people who were very very sour about my stance. They were very sour, lemon faces. Got a couple of lemon faces that came after me, squirted lemon juice on me. It's all right. It's all right. That's uh that's the whole point of ideas, right? All right, so that's that. Now here's a. I thought this was a funny. Headline. This is from EssentiallySports.com. It's about that Megan Rapino soccer thing with the purple hair. Check out this headline. I thought it was just just priceless. You toothless inbred backwoods degenerate. Megan Rapino lost her temper on her brother. She called her brother inbred. Isn't that funny? Uh... A known name in the world of soccer, Megan Rapino, is an American sporting legend. Oh, is she? Her soccer skills remain unmatched. Oh, really? Uh, not unless you're a, uh, a a 15-year-old boys team from nowhere, second string player. One of the most reputed women players of all time. Is this parody? Maybe this is parody. Abe, did you send me a parody? I don't think this is parody. Let me go to the, the footer here. Uh, full spectrum services, all right. I don't think that this is parody. I think they just like her. Anyway, I guess they did bad somewhere. She's known for her outspoken, strong personality, blah, blah, blah. Uh, in her memoir, One Life, Megan narrates a verbal exchange with her brother explaining the incident. She said that during a tournament in San Diego, her eldest brother, Michael, criticized her and her twin sister for losing the game, explaining... Her then feeling, she quotes, I was already mad with myself for blowing the game. Losing nearly, losing the nearly one game, Michael could not help but comment, I can't believe you lost. Already disappointed with her performance, Megan harshly reverted, saying, You think you can do better, you toothless, inbred, backwoods degenerate? Which is funny, unless they're their stepbrother and sister, because that's, uh, I wonder who, who bred her. But could he do better? Like I said before, if if her brother was a second string player on a 15U boys team, then chances are he could do better. But that's, like I said, this is just funny that she called her brother inbred. And moving on to a slightly related story. This is from the LPGA. A golfer is set to become the first transgender woman, a man, to win coveted LPGA tour card after seeing off competition at qualifier. Haley Davison, 29 years old, is on his way to becoming the first transgender to earn an LG, uh, L, I'm sorry, LPGA tour card after success in the first two days of stage one qualifiers. 
Haley shot a 70 on Thursday and hit a 76 during the second round on Friday. And, um, and a, a couple of people are, are, um, are being uh, pretty salty about it, as they should. As they should. You know, so I guess Megan Rapino won't have to wait very long until men start playing in women's soccer as well, going back to her comment with her brother. But then again, if men played in women's soccer, maybe people would actually watch. And then she would get that pay raise that she doesn't deserve. So that's like a double-edged something buried in there somewhere. She should probably be open to that. That, That's that. You knew it was coming. All right, all right. Let's get this all wrapped up and get into the opening because I want to do a few things that's going on in the east between Ukraine and Russia before we bring on Rich Barris at the bottom of the hour and just go until his lungs give out. Which he can, I mean, we'll be here all night, so we'll have to put a stop to it at some point. Don't go anywhere. Share the show far and wide. Send the links out, whether you're watching live or on demand. Send Super Chats. That if you want to contribute some thoughts and opinions to the show, that will be read in the second half, multiple times in the second half. Quite frankly, superchat.com. It's universal for everybody, no matter where you watch, and people are watching on several platforms. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. We'll be right back. <laughs> stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome. Welcome to the show. It's Monday night. So listen, you knew this was coming when it comes to Russia. And we'll see what, uh, where we can go. I have, I have a little bit more to add to this in the second half and whatever we have left of the show after Rich gets off air and we just settle into just clearing out all the super chats and stuff like that. I have a few more things to throw on to this. And here it is. Biden administration readies $800. That used to go a long way. $800 million for Ukraine. Another $800 million. I don't know why they didn't just round up to a billion. What does it matter? 
readies another $800 million for Ukraine amid growing concern of attack on nuclear plant, which is completely within their control to stop shelling with all the HIMARS that we, uh, that we give them. Just stop it. The Biden administration has reportedly readied another $800 million to send to Ukraine as part of a security and military aid package that could be announced as early as Friday amid concern of a possible attack on a nuclear facility in the country. So this is what has been bubbling up over the last couple of days. There is a concern of a nuclear facility that's going to get shelled or whatever, and there's always that concern, just like the concern that we that Marco Rubio and Victoria Newland wanted to put out there and make sure that we all knew what's happening and who are the only people who are the only people that can possibly be behind any kind of a disaster out there, whether it be nuclear, biological, it, it doesn't matter. So we're constantly being prepped, constantly being prepped for, for something big and bad is going to happen. And when it does, you know exactly who's going to be behind it. There's only one way that this can turn out, depending on where you are going to be eating all of your, um, your news. So they continue, President Joe Biden could authorize the funds through the Presidential Drawdown Authority. I would love to hear somebody talk about the constitutionality of that and ability of the president to reallocate defense articles from the Department of Defense to foreign countries in times of crisis, which Biden has previously used to assist Ukraine. That's yeah. I'm I'm sure I'm sure that was put into the um, into the framework for this country. One hundred percent sounds sounds legit. Sounds legit, and I'm sure that the Constitution has been rightfully amended to make that possible. So he's using the presidential drawdown authority. This is why this is why people usually take their hands off the wheel and say, "Oh, I'm I'm the government." is just it's is too far beyond my understanding because did you know about a presidential drawdown authority before today i didn't there's all these little tiny fake drawdown draw up draw in authorities tons of them tons of them and, and those re- those policy wonks on the inside they can recite them chapter and verse they can recite them they can tell you why you're wrong no 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 the president can totally do this you know why because policy number one section something and it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It's to make you feel like you are just, you are not equipped to even understand what's going on here. Send it to foreign countries. Okay, but here you go. Zelensky warns of nastier phase. We're, we're ending, entering into to the nastier phase of the war now. As Russia says, Dugan, car bombing, was a contract killing. So a... Um, We'll read into this. You probably heard about the car bomb. If not, we'll get into it. Ukraine is bracing for a likely escalation in Russian attacks following a last night's killing of the daughter of Alexander Dugin, Daria Dugin, Dugina, uh, Dugina, by what looked to be a car bomb as she was driving his car home from an event. Based on details that emerged, many people believe it was an assassination attempt on the prominent but deeply controversial Russian political commentator and philosopher himself. Um, People make him out to be like the new Rasputin and um, and and now his, his daughter got killed in a car bombing. Contrary to current exaggerated Western mainstream headlines referring to him as Putin's brain, there's no clear evidence that Dugan and Putin 
have ever even met, much less a photograph of the two together in the same room, which we have yet to find. Though the influence of Dugan's thought on certain Russian political circles is clear, he's long, he's long been central to developing the so-called Russian world ideology, but his influence on actual Kremlin policy circles have been marginal at best, especially since 2014, given he's been, uh, he's been much more hawkish and a maximalist when it comes to the Ukraine crisis, at times uncomfortably so, for Russian political leadership. On Sunday, Russia's investigative committee said in an official statement that it has opened a murder investigation following a car bomb being detonated under Alexander Dugan's vehicle, which only his daughter Daria was driving at the time. According to Russian investigative committee, the Toyota Land Cruiser was driving, uh, that he was, she was driving was ripped apart by a car bomb in the Moscow region near the village of Bolshi uh, Vyazemi in a targeted killing by unknown entities. Here's a quote. The investigation believes that the crime was planned in advance and is of a contract nature, the statement said, adding to the, that investigators had, quote, established that the explosive device was placed under the bottom of the car on the driver's side. Pro-Russian Donbass military leaders, Denis Pushilin, foremost among them have called the fighters to quickly avenge Dugina's death, at the same time, Ukrainian President Zelensky is now warning his citizens that the, the severe escalation looms. Here's a little bit more from Maria uh, Dubovikova. The attempt to kill Dugan, Russia's philosopher, resulted in the death of his daughter. That is cheered in the Ukrainian and Western segments of social media. Um, does not do anything but two things. Number one, it raises the level of hatred to extreme among Russians. And number two, leaves no illusions. And if before a few Russians were uh, aware of Dugan's existence and his ideas, be sure that now everybody will now know about them and may even be willing to follow him. So now they're they're saying um, it's going to get nastier. But listen, this is where it was always going. I mean, you can't you can't waste this boogeyman. You can't waste the boogeyman that you have created in Vladimir Putin. You can't waste it. This is what they want. This is, this is what they want. They lie about Ukrainian military resi- resistance and resilience. They lie about Putin's health. They lie about anything that will make the coming false flag seem believable. That's just what it seems to me and has been since the beginning. And there's a complete, there's only one side you can get of this story over here. Of course, you go to the other side, there's just the other. But, you know, we have a little bit more of an understanding of how our media hates us. Bipart- on a bipartisan level, how they lie, how they're all neocon, neoliberal hacks. So um, you just have to keep that in mind. I don't think anything, this is not in any of our favor whatsoever. And now you've got this, this nuclear facility that is on the fritz. I just, just keep wondering, when's the, when's the shoe going to drop? And is that when we get the cyber aspect of this thing? Is that what, what is it going to be? Well, we got a little bit more from, uh, from apparently the British Army got this from, where was it? This came out of the Daily Mirror and a few other places. But War News 24-7, prepare, prepare your relatives. You're going to Ukraine. British Army given official instructions for war with Russia. We'll read into a little bit of that later on, see what, uh, what shakes out with there. But here's the thing I would say about the whole Russian-Ukraine thing, which continues to, 
to drag on because it's going to be useful in an, in a bigger way, I guess. Here's what I have. It's the same story here at home. It doesn't have a nuclear holocaust component to it. But listen to the messaging. Listen to this messaging. This is from the Washington Times. They're reporting on things that are going on all over the, the, uh, the established far-left media. This is it. All Republicans are now terrorists. Last week, Financial Times associate editor Edward Luce tweeted that Republicans are the most dangerous political force in the world, bar none. I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world, he said, and I've never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. Nothing close. He has supposedly covered extremism and violent ideologies all around the planet Earth, and nothing comes close to modern-day Republicans. Former CIA Director Michael Hayden chimed in immediately and said, I agree. Oh, then it's, it's official. The CIA's in on it. This past Tuesday, Democrat advisor Kurt Bardella called all Republicans a, quote, domestic terrorist cell. MSNBC's Tiffany Cross agreed, that, agreed uh, and said that there should be no distinction between Republicans and, quote, right-wing extremists, end quote. At the same time, Pete Werner... A contributing writer for The Atlantic likened the Republican Party to a, quote, dagger pointed at the throat of American democracy, end quote. All this while the FBI Director Christopher Wray added that any American flying the Gadsden, don't tread on me flag, is suspect of violent extremism. Does anyone except me hear the ghost of George Orwell laughing right now? Does it concern you that a group of Democrats holding power is now defining all Republicans as being right-wing extremists and a threat to American democracy? And on the 30,000-foot view, both Republicans and Democrats here in the country are in agreement on Russia. So it's the same thing. We are being prepped and smeared and smeared and smeared again, even though most of us don't even... I, uh, want anything to do with the Republican Party, and to think that anybody in their right mind could take the milk toast, left of center Republican Party with a bunch of spineless slugs that that occupy its ranks for the most part, take them as extremists when they have been willing to play Pulp Fiction gimp for the Democrat Party for how many generations now is just hilarious. It's hilarious. That's how you know that's all fake. But the whole point is the smear. That is the whole point to everything. What are they preparing us all for? What is going to be rightfully blamed on us? After all these years of warning about how much more extremists we're getting day in, day out, there is absolutely nothing, nothing that stands in their way. Nothing at all. You know who we're going to go to a little bit early, three minutes early, because I just can't wait to talk to him, is my good buddy Rich. Rich Barris, what's going on? The director of Big Data Poll is here tonight. How you doing, Rich? Hey, brother. How's it going, man? Living the dream, as always. How about you? I'm, I, hey, it's all right. It's always great when you stop by. It means that another month is coming to an end, and yeah. I just can't believe it. That means that we're one, one month closer to the first post-2020 litmus test of what elections in America are going to be like from now on. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, again, you know, how these pollsters did, right? Because in case I missed it, Frank, they didn't fix their Democratic bias yet. 
So, you know, I know we'll get into that, but I'm just like a little bit confused as to why so many people over the summer were like bewildered that Democrats look like they were surging. And, you know, all these races are in doubt now and all the forecasts have been moved. It's it's the same damn movie, Frank. Every cycle, it's the same. It's the same movie. I, I you know, I was know thinking about end. that. I I woke up this morning and I saw a couple of different polls that I was gonna. I was thinking about asking you about, but now that you brought this up, I might as well. I saw a poll about how seventy five percent of Americans believe that America's best days are behind them, and that yeah. under under Joe Biden things have gotten progressively worse, uh, and then. You know, there, there is a, there's other polls that are talking about life, happiness, scales and metrics are going down yep. for everybody, regardless of party affiliation. And then, as you say right there, who's in charge of the polls? Who's in charge of the narrative that they're building up? Because no matter what people are feeling, uh, seeing, tasting going on around them, uh, they, they, run, they roll out a dead Al-Qaeda guy and they raid Mar-a-Lago. And they say, "Oh wow, sudden surge in momentum." I say, "How? First of all, how can you, how can you separate? If you're saying, oh, under Biden, all this stuff is going wrong, how can you separate the party and the the party leadership and the media and everything that goes along with it from just the demented Muppet Muppet Show man? He's just a Muppet. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense." Yeah, there are two things the media want want you to think uh, is behind this real or not surge that we're seeing from Democrats. One is the Roe v. Wade decision, which I think is ludicrous to believe that people are going to uh, vote, you know, based on abortion when there are so many like Maslow basic hierarchy of needs that are not being uh, filled right now. And there is there was, I would say, you know, this jump in uh, people who said abortion was their number one issue, but these are the people we, we call the, the new cycle voter. And after a while, if there's a gun, sh- if there's a mass shooting, they start citing guns or violence, right? Stuff like that. Uh, during Ukraine, the war on Ukraine, it was foreign policy skyrocketed, you know, stop Russia, stuff like, stuff like that. Um, but again, there was, I looked at it today too, there was a, a study about uh, Democratic registration bumps in Pennsylvania, when the overall trend has been clearly toward in favor of Republicans. Uh, But they were younger people, and we've seen this before, Frank, where these younger people may register, they may, uh, but independents are overwhelmingly outpacing uh, Democrats anyway. And it's one, we saw it under Obama. And then so many people would say in 2010, 2014, well, this is uh, evidence that there's going to be, uh, you know, a, a surge of Democrats in a midterm election, and it's going to uh, stop any kind of red wave that may take place. And it didn't happen. At both times, it did not happen. So, um, you know, again, I, and then the second thing that they want you to think is behind this uh, is the, what you just said, the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which I think. You know, if you think this is going to help Democrats and hurt Donald Trump, then you should quit your job and find something else to do. If you're a political pundit and you're a pollster and you think that the FBI raiding Mar-a-Lago is going to hurt Trump, you're out of your damn mind. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't speak to people outside of your little cubicle. You have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Go out in regular America, Frank. Go talk to people. You know, or or people could just do what I do, which is interview voters constantly. You just don't hear either one of those two being true. 
N number one, people aren't, you know, are some Democrats saying that abortion is their number one issue? Yes, but these are voters that vote anyway. Highly educated, four out of four kind of primary voters, midterm voters, they're voting anyway, period. So it's not real. Now we're seeing some of the polls again, and the summer is particularly bad when you uh, when, when you look at the history of, of polling in the last three, four cycles, uh, definitely three. It always looks like Democrats are having a surge. There is a very well-known uh, response bias over the summer for Republicans. It's something pollsters have known about. These so-called election forecasters damn sure know about it. They're full of crap. It's really that simple. They're full of crap. And there are a few of us anyway who did see some tightening, but it was only younger people coming home, It was Democrats coming home. The, it, the landscape alone has not changed. And... You know the fundamentals are more more accurate than than polls. Uh, that's sad to say, but in modern America, pollsters suck. I mean, mm. are we seriously still taking them like gospel? There are few of us who get elections right year after year, and who eventually will be wrong too. It's it's like a statistical certainty. But you know, excuse me if I'm skeptical. When you go, the Economist comes out with Democrat plus six on a generic ballot, Frank. That's another freaking. You're, they are living in another universe. Uh, you know, when it comes to other people that aren't you, and I would love to know anybody. Maybe on another show, you can say other places that you actually trust and you think that do a good job. But I, I, I try to simplify everything in my life, and if it's not you talking about it, and I see it pu published on certain websites, um, I just don't. I don't even pay any mind. And the thing that I can do that actually, I th can. It would be. You know, I mean. Robert Cahaley at Trafalgar does a damn good job. Like I said, we all miss once in a while. It happens. But he does a damn good job, and he's not doing what other people are doing, uh, which is remaining in the old way of doing things for the sake of remaining in the cool club or out, or, or making sure that call centers still make uh, four times the average amount we, we charge for a, a single interview. Uh, he's not doing that, and he's done a good job. I mean, check track records and and you'll see um another one out there jim lee at susquehanna uh he, he especially in general elections he has done a good job uh you know basically reflect reality uh even if he's off a little bit we're all going to be off you know um but the overall you know uh the overall picture that these pollsters paint for people time and time and again are the more accurate picture. No, Wisconsin is not 17-point lead for Joe Biden. Wisconsin is tied at 47. That was Jim Lee, right? And, uh, you know, Robert may have had Trump or, or Biden ahead one or two points in any given direction, myself as well. It showed a tight race, you know? Uh, it, it, in the end, uh, these guys are the same ones who, who do a good job year after year, and the rest of them just are... Uh, Frankie, I mean, really, you know what? I, I, I'm where I'm at now. There's enough evidence to conclude what they're doing wrong. They don't care. It's party politics. So why it, it, are it, you jump? You know, why are people having a heart attack when they it, see? It's party propaganda. That's why I don't care. It's just it's it, it, it seems to me. Well, that's the only thing that gets me upset when I see it, and I understand what is driving these types of people, and uh, and these 
particular outlets and all that and those who champion their numbers it's that psychologically they're trying to put confidence in people where it doesn't belong and they're trying to keep other people from even thinking about going to vote because what's the point so they're suppressing some and they're hyping up others and it, I, and I just look at that as another part of the psychological war that we're involved in and polling is a gigantic part of it because not only does it actually have real world implications of how some people are yes. going to go out and respond but it has other kinds of implications where it, 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 if there is any kind of election theft going on then there is some kind of an there's a backdrop of, well, we told you so. You know, there's a backdrop of that there, too, that they can lean on and say, well, this is how we projected it. It's really not a surprise to us. So I, I, it goes two ways. There's real-world human behavioral implications, and then there's an alibi. So I, that's – you know, but since we're on polling, I was going to ask you this stuff later on. But since we're here, I'll ask you this, then we'll go to the FBI and some other real-world stuff here, too. Um, Liz- but, uh, let me just say, Frank, that that is a fraud, though. The polling is a fraud. These are tactics that are used in third world countries. They'll give the incumbent party some ridiculous lead. And, and it, of course, never was, um, you know, that it, it never was true. And you're demoralizing people. So when they win by just a hair, you know they were losing when they put that poll out showing a ridiculous lead. These are things that we see time and time and again in third world countries to give the regime regime what is called regime credibility when they win that is in and of itself an electoral fraud it is because of course biden never had a 17 point lead of course he wasn't ahead in pennsylvania by 13 points he was never going to win the state of florida let alone lead it by six to eight like the new york times had it and everyone else had it north carolina tom tillis never led in a damn poll not in 2014 and not in 2020. Cunningham had a 10-point lead on him going into October. This is not true. You know, it, it never was true. J.D. Vance was never behind Tim Ryan, folks. Never. How do I know? Because they did the same thing in 2020 with Trump v. Biden. And when I was polling it, and it was Trump 6 to 10, 7 to 10, uh, they were putting out Biden plus fives and sixes. It was insane. Insane. That in and of itself is a fraud. But sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. Just, oh no, 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 no. It's it's a fantastic point. I'm glad you you put it in there. I really, I I am. Um, going on from what we've been seeing with some of the primaries, uh, Liz Cheney. Now this was a very very satisfying. It was a very satisfying crash and burn. I can't stand her family. Uh, I can't stand her face. And uh, but but can you just okay? And this this in itself. I just I hope that I get tickled pink once again. Can you tell us? What you can tell? Okay, what are her national chances like? She said, "I'm going national with this." Tell us what her chances of actually making any kind of a dent in the national scene after losing a house seat in Wyoming is going to be like. <laughs> for, the, for those zero. of you, for those of you in Dude. podcast audience, he is putting a big zero on the screen. <laughs> Zero. Let me explain to people, outside of Wyoming, there is no uh, remaining or residual, uh, you know, chaining nostalgia, if you want to put it that way. She won her home county by the biggest margin. That's it. Uh, And that was also aided by a large number of Democratic voters. But uh, that's, you know, the lion's share of her votes came from there. She 
almost lost uh, one other county, which she barely held on to, uh, with a lot of big, lot of Republican votes. There's basically two counties, uh, and then her home county. But there are two counties to tell you the way the state of Wyoming was going to go. Uh, once Casper came in, uh, which is north of the other one. Once once Casper came in, it was early vote. Uh, you could tell that uh, Hageman was actually winning the early vote in areas where a lot of moderates and establishments do rather well. Listen, we're going to get a firm number, but it's safe to estimate that you could take about a third, uh, and I think we may find more, but you could take about a third off of Liz Cheney's overall margin uh, and, and attribute that to simply Democrats who were voting for Liz Cheney and the millions she put behind that fraudulent mailer pretending to be an official uh, election, uh, you know, official, right? Um, basically, Liz Cheney probably got somewhere of around 10 uh, maybe 14% of the Republican vote tops, and I don't even think she did, wow. but maybe. Um, and that's about it. So if you look outside of Wyoming, her numbers are e even worse with Republicans. They hate her guts. She has no chance. And all of the polling we've done with the Public Polling Project, which is over 60% funded right now, by the way, we're going to get that pre-Labor Day baseline after all. I want another generic ballot baseline before we move after Labor Day, uh, basically to see uh, what we have before and after Labor Day. But uh, in, in these polls that we've been doing for the Public Polling Project for since Biden took office, Every time we did the hypothetical 2024 matchup, which we started about a year ago or so, roughly, the Democratic candidate, I mean, yeah, whoever it was, Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, whoever, the Democratic candidate was losing more to someone else than Donald Trump was losing to someone else, meaning I'll vote for someone else, I'll vote for a third party, I'll vote for an independent, whoever it may be. If you have another option outside the binary choice, I will vote for them. That that is the someone else category, and the reason is there are people, uh, who, you know, it's the Republican Party is just solidified behind Trump. It's it's less than ten percent loss at this point. So the base is nine out of ten base support is with Donald Trump. Even against the Liz Cheney, she is so much more likely to take away from Biden or Harris or whoever it is, because there are so many Democrats who are uh, unhappy with their choices. And then the neoliberal, like the Bill Kristol and, and all the other fake Republicans who still pretend like they're Republicans, but they're really not. The truth is they have been voting for Democrats since 2016. So they just go on TV and talk like they're Republicans so they can pretend like they have some kind of Republican authority when they trash Trump and his voters. They don't. So, uh, you know, Bill Crystal, um, Max Boot, all these people. All the PNAC guys, all the PNAC, guys, all the PNAC, the, the, yeah, the, the PNAC uh, neoconservatives, yes. yeah. Yeah, they're now, they're now in the lot with neoliberals, and they are much more likely to vote for a Liz Cheney instead of a Joe Biden uh, than, than anyone on the Republican side. This is Trump's party now. In case well, people haven't been paying attention, the primaries are over. He lost one in Georgia, and he did it. By, and, and the only reason why he did is because he had a horrible candidate in David Perdue. Uh, let's be honest. Can we be real for a second? David Perdue lost his Senate election, and so did Kelly Loeffler because of a few reasons. One, the insider trading stuff. Independents hate that stuff. Two, they didn't pay for those, uh, the, those stimulus checks. McConnell trashed it, and they did nothing to stop it. And then three, they did not defend Donald Trump 
which hurt them with the base. So how many people never warmed up to David Perdue? In our polling, he never got above 20% against Brian Kemp. Mm. And Brian Kemp is bombarding the airways, basically going, I totally agree with Donald Trump on everything. He was basically the best president ever. I just disagree with him a little bit on this one issue, and that's how the election was conducted in Georgia. If people actually saw Brian Kemp's ads, then they would see what I'm talking about. They, it was brilliant, man. He did not run anti-Trump at all, at all. And then Nancy May survived Darrington, but that was different. She didn't vote to impeach. And she, the day that Donald Trump endorsed Katie Arrington, Nancy Mace was out in front of Trump Tower in Manhattan, basically going, it was the honor of my life to vote for everything Donald Trump put forward in his agenda when he was president. Man, Donald Trump was the best president ever. I love him and support him. That's what she did. She did not run against Donald Trump. even though, So all of these big primary fights, and by the way, again, we're talking about some of these polls. I would have mentioned Emerson in that last lot because I do know Spencer. I like Spencer. I, I just don't know what the hell he's doing, Frank. Robson plus two. Cleefish plus two. It just seems like he's being very favorable to the Mike Pence endorsed candidate, and then they get their butts kicked. Uh, and and it's like you know we're, we're, we just it takes me massive farts. Well, let me you know that's what we're calling it to be nice. But um, yeah, I mean Trump has won. He has won these these fights. I mean, well, I got I got I got I got two 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 uh, uh, questions to add on to all that. First one, let's going back. This one came up. Uh, from, one from the audience. It, this came from the audience, and then I remembered it when you talking about Wyoming and crossover voting. I got this. Frank, please ask Rich how much the Republican turnout numbers in the primaries are actually affected, actually affected, uh, as opposed to what is speculated. What is the real range of how these Republican turnout numbers are affected by Democrats crossing primaries to vote for rhinos. Nobody seems to talk about that much, but it seems to be happening a lot. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question, and the same is the case in area. You know, people tried to make in Arizona, even in Wisconsin, especially since there are no, you know, there's some of these states don't have voter registration by a uh, party, and they have to be inferred. Uh, but in the case of Wyoming, for instance, I would say really in everywhere, it's still significant, even if you estimate roughly how many Democrats uh, voted in the Republican primary. Same thing with Georgia. Um, even if you were to take them out uh, of Georgia, Wyoming, all of these places where we have seen record, record turnout for Republicans for primaries. Um, even if you take them out, we're still looking at ridiculously insane numbers. So just to estimate basically with Liz Cheney, right? If we say let's let's be bold and say seventeen thousand votes, you're still looking at uh, a basically a forty percent increase in Republican turnout in the state of Wyoming wow. for a primary. Mm. Typically, it's like a hundred thousand votes, Frank. Look at how I mean it's one hundred and seventy-five thousand votes in that primary. So you're still looking at like 45, 40 to forty-five percent increase. It's insane. It's an and that's historic. Arizona smashed records. Smashed records. Um, and I do think you'll probably see that there was some, well, I'm, I know you're streaming on YouTube, but I'll tell you what, that was not a close race. Okay. Not the governor, not the Senate. I don't know. You know, I'll just leave it at Understood. that. Understood. Right? Uh, wink, wink. Yeah, now, yeah. I mean, so I don't understand how Blake Masters, I absolutely nailed that margin. Eight days before the RCP average was Masters plus 11. Eight days. 
we came out with a Blake Masters plus 11, and then, oh, miraculously, all these other pollsters a few days later, you know, Masters plus uh, 10, Masters plus uh, 12, you know? <laughs> Heard to me, baby. Yeah. Heard to me. Well, like I, I don't care. No, hey, hey well, then. Nailed it. How do you nail this then? And this is this is another one, and I was saving these for the end, but to hell with it. I'll I'll just I'll just front load it all. Buckeye Steve from the the um, the audience says, if you oh, get a I chance, don't... yeah, or maybe if you get a chance, Frank, I'd love for you to ask Rich what his polling says about. And I don't know. This is just this is all really um, becoming a topic of conversation and debate right now. So I don't know how readily available you have anything to reflect uh, where it's all heading. But I'd love for you to ask Rich what his polling says about the GOP taking the Senate, given Cocaine Mitch's recent, recent defeatism. Yeah. He's, he has uh, sounded like he is willing and actually maybe a little bit excited to become a, my, uh, a, a true minority leader as, 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 uh, as long as it means that Donald Trump does not have any sway over any new Senate victories. What do you think about him and this yeah, before I address the polling, let me just say, you know, Trump nailed it with that truth, uh, truth social comment. Mitch is a piece of garbage. Mitch is, but it's worse than that. Yeah. He's a bad leader. You understand? For three out of the last three cycles, and go back to 2016, he has done this like, you know, like a normal captain is stoic, Frank, and doesn't abandon his ship, you know, tells, you know, basically doesn't show fear, uh, tries to inspire right this piece of crap has done this for the last three cycles the summer polling comes in it looks bad go back to 2016 folks he told everybody abandon ship save yourself we're gonna get clobbered trump is gonna drag us all down we're gonna be a permanent minority this he he, he pulled the fire alarm mm. threw his hands up like a little girl and started screaming this is what mitch does he's not a leader He's a crooked piece of filth who has to go. He has got to go if Republicans want to be the party with the electoral potential that they have. Mitch McConnell has got to go. There is no reasoning with him. There is no living with him. He's not a good leader. In fact, he does damage. He's the face of the party without a sitting president. He's a face of the party with a sitting president. He's at best a confusion to voters trying to figure out where they are and where they fit in the grand scheme of things, the political spectrum. Uh, but again, in 18, he did it again. But before we go on to 18, what happened in 16? All of the people who listen to him, Kirk, Ayotte, who is the schmuck in uh, Nevada? I can't even remember. We uh, He's gone now, right? He's an ex-senator. Nobody remembers. Joe Heck, right? Everyone who listened and bailed on Trump, got creamed. The one who didn't the most, who stood the most by him was Ron Johnson. He was down in the polls. He was the quickest one to be called for re-election that night. It was like, oh, Ron's fit, Ron's safe, he's done. Ron Johnson is the projected winner, move on. Pat Toomey, he drug over the finish line. Kelly Ayotte, who was among the worst, lost the state of New Hampshire by a larger margin than Donald Trump did. And she was very close to dragging her over, but he couldn't get there. Um, in the end, he lost by, you know, a handful of votes. Uh, but, you know, down the line, man, down the line. In 18, he did the same thing. And the irony of it is that Donald Trump never did. Donald Trump led. And he traveled all over that country and single-handedly saved the Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. 
plus two, Frank, in the upper chamber when they lost control of the House. You know how rare that is? You have to go back to FDR for an incumbent first-term party to perform that well in the upper chamber in a first-term incumbent midterm. If they would have held on to Arizona and that Sally would have edged out Kirsten Cinema, which I really do believe she had a chance to do, then you would have had to go back to FDR. That's how long ago. So it's not something that happens often. Donald Trump did that single-handedly. He saved that damn saying, defeated Joe Donnelly in Indiana. No offense, Mike Braun, but he did. Uh, if you think that um, Rick Scott doesn't owe his seat beating Bill Nelson to Donald Trump, you're crazy. Uh, down the line, just down the damn line. And then in 2020, again, the slew of consultant polls come out, these leaks to Politico, pu garbage public polling from media and university polling firms, garbage. And Mitch sounds to pulls the fire alarm, runs down the hall screaming like a little girl. This is what he does. Again, we're here again. By the way, folks, remember that Republicans were supposed to lose a bunch of seats in the House in 2020, according to the pollsters, the idiots in D.C. who listened to them, and the so-called election forecasters. Instead, what happened? Republicans netted 13. When does Mitch McConnell so, come up for re-election? You know, Trump, this is one thing you got you to gotta fault Trump for. He was done last time. He just was, uh, you know, about to, he was just uh, re-elected. He just re-elected. A, a couple years ago. Yeah. Trump, he was done, too. He was done. Everyone knows he was done. His challenger was no name ID, was kicking the crap out of him. And uh, Trump basically saved him. Um, same thing with Lindsey Graham. I mean, if people don't remember, Lindsey Graham begging into Sean Hannity's camera, please, America, please, Tony. And they believe the polls. They what Quinnipiac says Lindsey Graham is up by two points. They pull the fire on, run up the run up the street like a bunch of little. My <laughs> I'll, gosh. I'll say another word. No, no, but I you get what I'm saying. Yeah, they're bad leaders, Frank. They're not good leaders, which is why everybody hates them. Yeah. Everybody hates them, but then again, they have plenty of friends. It's always the same cast yeah. of characters. It really, it's you know. So getting away from the polling just a little bit, I'm sure it'll come up again because it's it. They're great, just human indicators here. But um, as I was saying with the FBI, and you brought this up before with how some people think it may or may not impact. Uh, polling or momentum for one party or another. I feel like every time you and I get together, we call for the end of the FBI's unconstitutional existence. But since hey, they, but, they shouldn't exist, my friend. Well, okay. it, and that, that's just a fact of life. But since the last time you were on, boy, oh boy, we had the Mar-a-Lago raid. We had 10,000 narrative changes on the reasons why and the scope right. of the operations in the week since. Uh, we and now we have more on this Gretchen Whitmer fake kidnapping, which has yep. which is loaded with FBI planning and plotting and desperately trying to get people to commit acts of violence, even actually using pimping out a girl to prostitutes. Do it, Frank. They they pimping out a girl to do it to keep them entrapped. Prostitution. I mean, it's just I I don't know I don't even know what to, to say anymore. So I'm finding it hard. I, I just go ahead. What, what have you been? Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead no, go what have you ahead. been commenting on? I want to hear your thoughts on all this because w w the last time we talked about it, it was it was pretty uh, it was pretty contentious and fiery, and then all of a sudden we got we got this that landed in our laps around August eighth. Can we dispense with the pretense of, like the the fake pretentious G man as the good guy narrative? It was never true this wasn't true when the fbi was first established and it's not true now 
He was like one agent who may have been, who may have lived up to what the G-Men, uh, the Boy Scout role model, uh, you know, kind of thing. They were all a bunch of Boy Scouts and and college educated, you know, not thugs, not like your old, uh, you know, spit in a platoon, uh, hardline cop, uh, something like that. One guy, maybe, Melvin Purvis, uh, who went after Dillinger. Can we grab him and get rid of him? Was you can just grab him. Just grab his arm and grab him. Sorry, I got my little kid running in front of the camera. Oh, I thought it was anyway, a cat. Uh, I thought it was a cat. You, know, you saw him? Yeah, no, that was, that's his hair. It was like froed up. <laughs> um, but, you know, Melvin Purvis uh, went after all of these big-name guys. Uh, he was trying to keep up with the image that the Bureau was supposed to be portraying. Hoover made him act like a criminal. They just started murdering people. Uh, that's what they did, Frank. They didn't bring anybody in and arrest them, did they? They freaking murdered them. And then because J. Edgar Hoover was jealous of Melvin Purvis, he destroyed him and Purvis killed himself. All right? This has always been a piece of crap organization. You know what? I blame Newt Gingrich for this because he cowered. He caved like a coward. In 1994, with the Republican Revolution, the reason the Republican Party was able to bring all those former Ross Perot coalition voters in is because they essentially started doing things like putting on the table, abolishing the ATF, defunding the FBI. That we had a series of events. People may or may not remember Ruby Ridge, Waco, etc. And then he gets to you know Washington. He reforms how a speakership is. He absolutely could have done whatever the hell he wanted. And what does he do? Nothing. Nothing. What is, this is the guy who, you know what, I'm going to reserve judgment. Bob Mueller's a decent guy. Like, this is this guy. You know, of course, he wanted all of those voters to vote for him and his candidates when it came to the 94 revolution. They did, in fact, vote for him. And what did they get in return? So no wonder why they fairly quickly lost that, you know, that large majority, fairly quickly, and then lost the re-election to Bill Clinton. I mean, why the hell would you vote for them? Why? And by the way, Bill Clinton was re-elected without a majority because those voters went back to the third party. Let me ask They you. are not a good institution, folks. They are thoroughly, thoroughly corrupt. And they have got to go. If I have to listen to Sean freaking Hannity one more time about, well, you know, there's a lot of good rank and file. Every rank and file person that was disgusted with the FBI that I know is retired. They're out. They've left the FBI. At this point, silence is just as bad as the acts themselves. And you are just as freaking guilty. I, I, there's, there's just one other thing here, and of course, this is a it's a huge it's a huge reflection on the Department of Justice itself. Um, Thoroughly, because, because you know one one you know one is the hand that swings the mace, and I gotta yes. say, I I gotta say this is the thing that really uh, I hope that you have some insight on this because I'm a little confused. Here's a headline from Just the News today, and and here is how it reads. Judge TikTok John Solomon? Oh, TikTok yeah. John Solomon? J judge, judge formally rejects Justice Department's plea to keep entire Trump raid affidavit sealed. Um, now, this is the Judge Reinhardt that signed the warrant. Now, I, I want your, your opinion on this. I mean, I'm finding it hard to form an opinion on what this may mean because you have this affidavit which, which 
I, it would be the sworn testimony of someone that someone gave them in order to justify the raid, the investigation. Um, the Justice Department does not want that released. But now, covering up the foundational crimes or claims or evidence is all these people seem to do. We get we get promises of disclosure over and over again, uh, but we don't get that. We get reenactments from Adam Schiff. We get weepy show trials, but we never get any real disclosure. Yet the judge, who everybody was suspicious of because he actually, in in, a, in uh, not too long ago, represented employees but of... But you should be. Yeah, you should be suspicious of this guy. So the, the, He's my, posted on social media that he, he hates Donald Trump. So here's my what, question. What? This is my question. The judge who signed the warrant, who we should be suspicious suspicious of, um, he wants it released but redacted. Is this just Kabuki theater? Does the fact Kabuki. that the, 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 okay, so is it? It's just that the fact that the affidavit would be redacted, it makes it safe for this judge to pretend he's impartial. That's right. Okay. That's exactly right. He's under fire. He's taking a lot of heat. He needs to do something. And just so everybody knows, the warrant, the reason why a lot of us were like, who gives a damn about the warrant? You know, Merrick Garland, who, by the way, supposedly at first, you remember the leaks to Newsweek and the Washington Post? Merrick Garland didn't know about this, so stop saying Garland is, a, you know, uh, a, the leader of the Gestapo. He did know about it because then he came out in the press conference. Everything that was reported before that press conference, you could just throw, wipe your butt with, and throw in the trash because if they got a central claim false like that or incorrect like that then the rest of what they have to say is also garbage those are leaks by the fbi that some idiot who wants to be a, a, a famous journalist just writes up without any pushback any adversarial relationship whatsoever you know basically copies and pastes what they email to them and then puts it up like it's a gospel or something uh this guy was under attack and he should be like i said uh, negative posts about Trump. He runs in just the most. He made sure that Epstein got a sweetheart deal and then left to go defend a bunch of people that were in the case. So he went from being a prosecutor who let Epstein off to being a defense attorney helping the Epstein circle. So this guy's major scumbag, Frank. Hmm. He had to do something. And the reason why none of us cared when they came out and said, well, we're going to release the warrant when Garland held that press conference is because the warrant almost means nothing. Where they lie, where the FBI justifies their lies uh, or justifies their need for a warrant and lies to the court, whether the judge knows or doesn't know, which in this case, I would just assume that Reinhardt knew they were lying in that affidavit and did it anyway. Yeah. All right. He's a magistrate. It's ridiculous they would even get someone like him to approve this this warrant. But anyway, when the warrant came out, it showed how ridiculously – it was worse than anyone expected because it was basically – why would you release this? It's worst-case scenario. You're claiming it's some kind of Records Act violation, and you have this ridiculous broad scope, which alerted everyone who has a brain and is honest that they were doing this and they were using it as some ridiculous charge as a pretext – to go through everything, to to panty sniff the former first lady's wardrobe, all right? So they were looking for anything and everything that they could to hang something around Donald Trump's neck. Now, that's what the warrant showed, and typically warrants don't really show anything. They don't, there, there's no, the, the affidavit is where the, the, all the, you know, the meat is, Frank. They're going to heavily redact this affidavit, and when you hear the FBI to something like this, say, we don't want to release because there's security uh, you know, issues here. They're full of crap. If you go back to the inspector general's report, 
Michael Horowitz used to be one of the most respected people in D.C., but when he came out with the Inspector General report on how the FBI has obtained warrants, he basically said the FBI routinely lies, routinely violates the Woods procedures when it comes to FISA affidavits, routinely lies to get search warrants. Now he's blacklisted, and everybody in D.C. hates the guy. He was once the most like respected attorney general in the damn cesspool of a city so that you will see this thing be heavily redacted this is kabuki theater and the, the juice the lies will be blacked out it, it's it's such Without a trip a it's such you'll a trip. have to read between the lines you know yeah no it's a trip man it's almost psychedelic you know the the worst well not the worst part it's just banana the, bro it's, it's just banana collateral it's banana the collateral damage of all this is being able to watch the I'm with her crowd speculate breathlessly about the mishandling of literally anything. That I mean, talk about zero self-awareness, but this is hell, I suppose. And um, Frank, he's the president. It's not the same as it was with Hillary Clinton, who was a secretary of state. She obviously violated the uh, the the Public Records Act. Obviously violated it. And the espionage servers, act. Blackberries, bleach bits. But here's the difference everyone's missing here when they say, well, what about the what about the what about is not a defense. It is a defense. The president of the United States doesn't need some bureaucratic mm, okay on to whether or not to declassify something. If he, he says this is declassified, it's done. There's no procedure. There's nothing. He doesn't have to justify himself at all, which is why nobody went after Obama when he did the same thing, by the way. 30 truckloads, 30 truckloads of archives that the National Archive had a canary over when he took. The bottom line is he doesn't have to justify himself to Merrick Garland or any of the schmucks who are running that investigation. Frank, the people who are running the investigation are the same people involved with all of the other wrongdoing uh, you know, investigations that we know were nothing but witch hunts. Doesn't anyone seem to care about this? I They're know. not even using different investigators. What? Ted Cruz went in a public hearing for people who didn't see this. He was cross-examining Christopher Ray. Go and listen to Ted Cruz's thrashing of Christopher Ray when he brings up the names of these individuals. They've had serious problems with their with their jackets, meaning their behavior. Um, you know, one. It's just it just just watch. Oh, I know, I know. Not the, the, only are these guys political, but they're bad people in their own lives. The, we we I saw in that exchange there how it's pretty much self evident that they move these these dirty bureaucrats around like pedophile priests. They just move yeah. them all over the place. He got a, he got a promotion. There's that, and, and, and listen. As far as as far as what aboutisms and and selectivity and all that, the uh, the I'll just say two words, two words of recent note that talk about selective outrage. As far as that level of selective outrage is nothing compared to the lengths that that Sam Harris went went to the other day. Oh, I mean, God. I mean, I'm t listen. I know that that may be too extreme for even most most Democrats out there, but let's be honest. Th that that is the look the other way mentality everybody's in right now and it is uh it's just it's the worst form of tribalism i can imagine to draw forget about a moral equivalence to draw any equivalence between trump to say trump university is more serious 
than the pre the current president of the United States using his son as a bagman selling U.S. foreign policy to the worst oligarch criminals in Eastern Europe, to the worst of the worst in China, who basically is killing Muslims in Western China like nothing, for a such a high position. I mean, he was the vice president before when he started this. Now he is the president. To say that, number one, Trump University is worse than that. And then what? It, whatever we, we, is on the Hunter Biden laptop. Frank, what's on the Hunter Biden laptop is Hunter Biden purchasing what appears to be underage Eastern European prostitutes and then abusing them. I mean, this is a big deal because this isn't a story about Hunter Biden. It's a story about the Biden family and and Joe Biden allowing his si sons and sibling to or son and sibling to to sell foreign policy for him through him. And then, you know, the, the concept of Hunter's bad behavior and the reason why that's concerning is because if that's if, apparently there's a lot worse, too. But if it, that's bad, you know, then, then they can hold this over Joe's head. You know, the Chinese, the Russians, they could say, we have your son on tape with a 12 or 13 year old prostitute. We're going to you know, we're going to make sure that it sees uh, the light of day on Fox News if you don't do this. Don't people understand? This is how the Chinese play ball, man. And this is immediately I knew that Joe was, in fact, bought because that's the Chinese model. They never go after the, the central figure themselves. They buy family members. They exploit family members. They put family members in compromising situations. That is the Chinese influence model for anyone who knows anything about the Chinese. That is how they play ball. And when I saw that, everyone who knows anything about them uh, saw it, which is that, yeah, absolutely, they got them. They well, got them. Uh, let me ask you something then, uh, as an aside, about the whole Taiwan standoff that yeah. we had. We had a whole Taiwan standoff a couple of weeks ago that has pretty much fallen to the wayside. Um, it's not making headlines anymore. Nancy Pelosi showed up, and uh, the, the Chinese, they, got, they rallied their, their naval vessels, and they start firing off weapons and, and you know doing um, live military drills and and all that to to show how pissed off they were and the whole time i'm thinking to myself i i i don't i don't buy i, I understand that this is a serious point of contention for the chinese taiwan but i don't buy the seriousness of this particular incident because if they did want to if they did want to fire back at a real something that they felt completely insulted over, they don't have to fire one howitzer. They don't have to drop one bomb. They have Hunter Biden. They have the president's son. I mean, this guy was dealing with one of their spy chiefs. I don't. I mean, they can they can drop a headline. They can they can they can do a a, a dump That's on right. four, you know. So I there's something about that. It was just I don't know something about that was way too controlled of a of, of a uh, of a calamity for yeah. Their, I, I, there would yeah. have been no fallout. Okay. Yeah, well, what I I, I, I tend to, I tend to agree with you on that. I think they just did that because Pelosi's there, and then you're getting these like weak statements from the White House, not at all backing up what she has to say. Um, and if you know what I did was watch um, you know various ministers on on social media uh, commenting about the trip, about what they thought, and the fact is uh, we're a joke. We're an utter joke to them, dude. And they're not at all concerned about Nancy Pelosi. 
They were mocking Joe Biden. They were mocking her and were watching her visit closely. But it's very obvious the White House doesn't even back her and her position. Of course, he wouldn't because he can't. I mean, they throw around any real media would be reporting this stuff, but they don't. So I just watch what they say and what they do. The same thing when it came to Russia, who, by the way, just defeated us in proxy war, in case nobody's freaking noticing. They defeated us in a proxy war, and it took about five months. And they're never getting those shale deposits back from eastern Ukraine. It's over. It's over. All we did was hurt our own economy. We did nothing to Russia. And it was obviously a, uh, a, a net gain for Putin. Uh, but the same thing happened during that crisis. If you watch Russian officials, what were they doing? I'll tell you what they were doing. Posting memes of Rachel Levin and others, like, are, are we supposed to be afraid of these people? Posting pictures and, and conversations or public statements that General Milley made, you know, that are just make him sound like a ridiculous idiot. And, you know, are we supposed to be afraid of these people? And so we're a joke, an utter joke to them. I don't think they would. I, first, I do think that people should just prepare themselves for Taiwan. Um, being taken by the Chinese. I do. And I don't think we're going to do a damn thing about it because I think they took measure. Putin took measure of, of uh, Joe Biden. They found him, He found him wanting. He took what he wanted from Ukraine. I think that the Chinese are on their way to do that too in Taiwan. I hate to say that, uh, but there it is. I, is do, does anyone seriously believe that Joe Biden is going to make uh, you know a, a, some kind of an effort uh, to do anything to stop them? I, he can't. This is why John Ratcliffe was so upset with the former president when he exited office. As the DNI, he had seen a lot about Biden. And I know this from a private conversation he had with, with a friend of mine, that he was absolutely lamenting that Donald Trump did not dump on the American people everything that they knew about Joe Biden, not only in Ukraine, but with China, and how bad it really was, Frank. And I don't think they have to do a damn thing. I think maybe uh, they just sit back and tell Joe to shut his mouth because if he does, if he doesn't, then they're going to dump something. Like I said, like Hunter Biden with a, you know, who knows, man? Who yeah. knows? Look at that guy's behavior. No, I understand. And look, at, look at the president's behavior, by the way. Like father, like son. All right? I got news for you. You think he learned this in college or something? No, Joe that, Biden has never been a decent guy. That's an he abuse cycle. He's always been a nasty prick who can't keep his hands to himself. Everybody knows that. That was a fake argument in 2020. You know, be decent and vote for Joe Biden. Joe Biden was never a decent guy. No, Hunter, Hunter Biden. Legislators. Hunter Biden is 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 so obviously the. It's a it's a tragic story, but once you become a, an adult and you take on your own life, then it's your story. You just got to own it. But uh, he's definitely the the uh, the product of a intergenerational abuse cycle, no 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 doubt about it. And when and as you were saying before, um, I was I was covering some of these stories in the beginning of the show before I brought you on, and I said, you know, you, you just said that we lost the proxy war in five months to, to Russia, Hello? and nobody's, but nobody's reported, the only reporting we get, now it's one thing to be involved in a proxy war, or a, you know, face-to-face, one-on-one war, and you lose, and, and you're, you're, you get honest reporting about where you fell short back at home, but all we get here stateside is that while the Ukrainian resistance is so resilient and, and heroic, let's send another couple of billion, million, trillion over to them. It's a and scam, then, the other, then the other thing we get is 
constant reporting and speculating about Putin's health. They want to be able to constantly show that they are on the ropes and that they are uh, that Putin is not of sound mind and that they're willing to do something dangerous. And they're now they're floating nuclear disasters. They've been floating biological disasters since that that canned exchange between Marco Rubio and Victoria Nuland months ago. So I, yeah. I, I mean they're they're getting ready. They're getting ready for something, and, and the average American is not, is not going to know why, because all they've been hearing is, oh, well, Russians losing and they're desperate. So they're going to they're gonna know why they did something crazy like, you know, blow up a, a nuclear, uh, I don't know. It's, 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 a, it's a serious situation, um, or Rich, and, and of course when people— Something peop- like that happens, Frank, you, you just, just better put your money on the CIA. I mean, something like that happens, the CIA did it. Putin had absolutely no reason to do it. He now controls where food is produced. He now controls the shale deposits. He could, And by the way, all of those areas in eastern Ukraine, by the way, um, are ethnic Russian. If you look at the vote shares in recent elections, they do not vote for the West. They vote in Putin's interest by overwhelming margins. They believe that they got robbed not too long ago, by the way. Um, so th- this is not an area of the country we were ever going to kind of win or woo over. And, you know, they were being shelled for eight years w- but with our money, by the way. So they were never going to like the United States. Um, and it is a shame because you remember the Russian army was supposed to, like, run out of food and they were mass abandoning their posts, right? Remember that crap? Yeah. That was None of that was ever true. The ghost of Kiev, bro. Snake Island, bro. Over and over and over. It was all fiction. Complete and total fiction. The truth is Putin never wanted to take all of Ukraine. He simply wanted the eastern part, which obviously was justifiable in his mind. um, And that creates a, a barrier to the western bulwark on his border. And that's what he was trying to do. And by the way, to the Russians, he's not taking that. He's not invading. He's liberating it. To hit in his mind, we have to stop pretending like our viewpoint is the only viewpoint because you can't beat your enemies if you don't understand their role. You know, it's it's like empathy in foreign relations. You have to know what you know what your enemy thinks about a certain issue. We couldn't do this. We still could. We still can't do it. We couldn't do it with the Vietnamese. We couldn't do it with the Koreans. We couldn't do it uh, with certain elements of in both Iraq and Afghanistan. We lost both wars. We lost Korea. We lost Vietnam. And this is getting old now. And by the way, L. Todd Wood, who owns Creative Destruction Media, CD Media, he's my sponsor for the Big Data Poll and a bunch of polls we've done. That outlet has sponsored them. He has been on Tucker. He knows more than anybody I know about Eastern Europe. And he has done a fantastic job on Tucker and off and on explaining to people this is a grift. They are taking your money. Not even those weapons are going to end up where they're supposed to end up. They are going to go to arms dealers like Adam Schiff's friends, and they're going to sell them on the black market. And then naturally you have all of this stuff that went missing. It didn't go missing. That's what they do. It's a scam. They take your taxpayer-funded money, 
and and they they send it over to their friends and it's it's basically money laundering at some point Frank. Yeah. i mean it, it's money laundering it is I, and uh it, it's it, it's tragic that nobody was really listening outside of a couple segments on tucker calls it's crazy well then let me ask you let me ask you one final question i'll bring you back stateside but it's not necessarily it's everything it's a big picture question so it it involves our um our complicity and things million. over overseas at home, yeah. all everything we've talked about here so far tonight. Um, do you think red states um, can realistically form some kind of a coalition and stop cooperating with D.C., stop paying taxes, revoke operating licenses for leftist NGOs, 501c3, the organizations like the FBI, APAC, all the Marxist anti-Christian front groups and close them down. Do you think it's actually politically feasible for, because when I was, when I was watching this interview that Anthony Sabatini did with CNN, that they got, they got so butthurt because he said that they wanted the FBI to leave and be shut down and have all those well-to-do rank and file, just go work for state bureaus instead. But we can't have the centralization anymore. Do you think that that is possible? You know, I I, I feel like it's almost if, – if things don't change, it may be not only possible, it may be inevitable. I don't – how over what time period, I don't know. But, Frank, empires fall when a few things happen. And we have the ball right now. When there's regime credibility is a problem. It is whether the media and Democrats want to admit it. There's just a ridiculous, and by the way, they did it to Donald Trump. Remember, Trump isn't legitimate. He stole the election with Vladimir Putin. They started this, and they've been doing this for years, by the way. I mean, they have basically objected to every Republican win uh, since George W. Bush. Um, But, you know, I just feel like once one side determines or concludes in mass that the system no longer works for them and that they no longer have recourse, you know, whether it's legal or electoral and there's two systems of justice and two tiers of citizens. And once that happens, um, you look for a couple other things in society to see whether or not, you know, a union can hold together. And we have problems on those fronts, too. Uh, you know, whether or not shelter is affordable, it's not. Whether And by the way, we have some serious problems with that coming up in the housing market, rents, mortgages people uh, you know uh, not having the ability uh to pay them uh we have some serious challenges ahead energy when that's not affordable when food and you know there are shortages uh, on and on and on all these things that really do lead to ends of empire uh or breaking up of empire we have them all frank we have them all right now indeed huge debt that's not only is it not sustainable we can't pay the debt back frank it's not possible at this point you would need to grow the economy by a rate that we have not seen in a long time and we would have to cut like crazy there will be the way that it works with states if that even tried to happen um you know there would be some serious problems there are some red states that take which is why i think you're seeing uh pushback to ideas like you just said because these many supposedly red states take a lot of money from the federal government and that's just true that's a reality do they tend to produce more yes they do outside of california red state economies are whipping blue and even in california red state economies are beating blue state economies when uh that that's not even uh debatable anymore and actually there was a great article in bloomberg about it a couple of weeks ago 
But the problem is you have supposedly red state, deeply ruby red states that have their hand out because they're run by a bunch of rhinos. I think people would be shocked to hear how pathetically rhino states like Utah are. Um, you know, it's just that's going to hold it up for a while. But at some point, because of the imbalance that we have in this society, if it does, if it, and it's why really the Republican Party is the last um, hope. It can't be run by these people anymore. It has to be run by people who are willing to address these inequities. It's not even inequities. It's worse. Their people are being targeted and persecuted. If that doesn't stop, then you know they can forget about them. You know, making the argument we need the Fed's money. People aren't going to want to hear that. As far as breaking up the FBI, it's extremely feasible. There was I shared an article from American Greatness, um, and uh, it was from a former Fed, by the way. And he laid out he did something that a lot of people don't do, which is when they say let's break up the FBI. I haven't heard a lot of follow up about well, what are we going to do with it? Yeah. The national crime their crime lab can just become a national crime lab for all these other agencies to use. Um, that the counter intel is where the most corruption is. They could just be disbanded, and you know who cares? Scattered in the four corners of the earth. Who gives a damn? Uh, but he laid out a plan. You know that this is a feasible thing to do. You know, and again, Frank, why was the FBI established in the first place? To go after people who are doing inter uh, interstate, you know, crimes. You know, robbing banks going across the border in another state. Jed Dillinger was from Indiana, but he was basically running through the Midwest and robbing uh, you know, banks for all the way down to Louisiana. That's why they formed the FBI, to go after cr- criminals like that. Uh, and they failed in their purpose. They didn't, they weren't a law enforcement, they were a hit squad, Frank. Yep. A hit squad. And by the way, people are like, when I had said they killed John Dillinger, they murdered John Dillinger, people were like, no, they didn't. Uh, Dillinger fired, says who? Says who? Says the FBI. <laughs> right. Says the FBI. They wrote the, the affidavit. Autopsy the public wanted. Yeah, that's right, man. And the autopsy that the public wanted to see where Dillinger was hit just happened to go missing for like 40 years. So get the crap. I, I would okay. also suggest, they you know. They killed Floyd. They killed babyface Nelson, who was a nutcase. Nelson was a nutcase. I mean, that's that's a different story. Rich, if you've, but, never, um, if you've never read the book um, Blacklisted by History by M. Stanton Evans, um, you need to read that book. It's about it's a it's about Joe McCarthy, but inside yeah. uh, inside of that book. That's why that may sound familiar to me. Listen, yeah, go ahead, you've go ahead. got to read it because in, inside yes, you learn a little bit about you learn a lot about the he man right. Joe McCarthy, but uh, you learn a lot about early well not so much early because as you said FBI early 20th century, but by the 1950s you start learning about how evidence testimony vital documents disappearing at very inopportune times when we're starting to get around to finding out just how deep the infiltration was you have got yeah. you've got to read it you I, i'm telling you you would uh it, blacklisted it, by history blacklisted by history um it, it's uh, get it tonight no you you definitely get it you will not regret it you'll actually read it once a year because it's it's so vital to understanding how we got here and um but listen uh, another wonderful episode. I cannot wait for our September get together. We should sometime in September. We should probably plot we should out. We beat this puppy. Yeah. We yeah. should plot out what we're doing for the, the that next six weeks. And but let everybody know. I have I have on the screen big data poll. But in the description of the episode, I have people uh, peoplespundit.locals.com. Let everybody know what you got coming up and what they should be on the lookout for. 
Yeah, by the way, in Wyoming, uh, we have our voter file database. There will be absentee ballot information that will be updated. I mean, I can get just from looking at different, you know, turnout history and uh, the location of where Liz Cheney won some these votes. Um, the, this map, this primary map, basically mirrors the 2020 presidential election map, Trump v. Biden. So it, I have a good idea, but I'm trying to wait for hard evidence, uh, which we're doing. And when we get it, which typically is at the end of the month, I'll give people a more firm number on how many votes that uh, and that will be on locals on how many Democratic votes uh, I believe Liz Cheney won uh, or got out. And, you know, how badly did she really lose? Um, of course, we have the book club every Sunday. We're reading Jack Snyder, Miss of Empire right now. It's fantastic. And it's so prescient, I guess, is the word um, we're learning about how Snyder argues um, and how these cartels come together and log roll uh for interest groups to push this crap like ukraine like we were just talking about and it's worse than that because the media and the intelligence community and all these people these they are cartels and people have to uh and the fbi uh is a cartel all right it, we're really living now in a cartelized system not a democratic system but i i digress well, ha well on, on that note on that note have you ever read any of john perkins stuff uh, uh confessions of an economic ahead, hitman like like which ones because uh i Con do know john perkins uh is it, actually cited in quite quite a few things that we've been discussing confessions but... confessions of an economic hitman i think is a is a must read yeah i'll check that out uh, that one i don't think i've read i don't think so it'd be on my shelf if i did and i, I don't think it is so i remember almost everything that i read by title so yeah i'll check it out uh but yeah we're doing stuff like this you know to give people an idea of frank when they see it when they hear it number one what to look for but then when they see it and they hear it they know you know mm -hmm. um and and there's just a big a, a big awakening that happens when you have this information and you know people whatever you want to call it red pill the awake not woke whatever you want to call it uh once you see it you know it and then it's not ridiculous for you to 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 think um you know the fbi hid evidence they did this they're wrong they did that. It, this is the history uh it's more often than not you can count on government agencies doing the wrong thing than the right thing and once upon a time americans used to know that um, yeah, and on, on the uh, what we're doing as far as the Locals Project, we're, like I said, about 60-something percent funded with the Public Polling Project. I can't wait to get that uh, underway. People can share that far and wide if they want. It's on bigdatapoll.com uh, forward slash public slash polling slash project. I'm trying to make that much easier for people. But it's all on my socials, at Truth and Getter. It's at People's Pundit on Twitter. It's at People's underscore Pundit. I actually just did an update on the public polling project on Truth and Getter a little bit ago, telling people, look, here we, we were 40% before the weekend. Now we're 60-something percent. You know, we're getting there. And we'll, we'll, we'll take a look at that generic ballad. And, of course, Joe Biden's approval rating, of course. Um, but, you know, uh, we definitely, uh, there'll be some other stuff we asked, but 2024 matchups we, we got coming up at the end of the month, we're pulling Pennsylvania and probably Ohio with Todd Wood. I was just telling you about for CD media. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting. There's a lot of good stuff coming. People should stay tuned, follow along, follow us on social and stay tuned. I know they will. You are making a very, very solid reputation for yourself. And uh, I mean, that, the work, the, the work is always, is always representative, my friend. And I'm so happy to have you uh, as a friend, uh, let alone a guest so often. So feeling is mutual, my friend, the feeling is mutual.
Well, I'm, and I also told Laura that I am going to be always on the lookout for outside-the-box topics for future conversations because to this day, people people are are still like talking talking about your UFO experience. We need to talk more big picture, big universe topics. Whenever maybe maybe when this uh, this election comes uh, and it goes it walks Dude, past us. I'm a us. believer. I'm a believer. I mean, you know, I, we'll do it. We'll I, I do know it. Some people, and it's amazing because I was watching Eli, and I know I don't want to take too much of your time, but I was watching Netflix special. I don't get to sit down and like enjoy something very often, but I was watching a Netflix special about Elon Musk, and he was basically saying that we are, as far as we know, this tiny little dot of consciousness in the universe, and that we need to become a multi-planet species if we're going to preserve that light of consciousness and i had said something about it and so many people were just like you know what um you know at some point the human race isn't going to exist uh we're not going to be uh, that that thing on mars will never happen well i'm here to tell you it will happen because i've seen the plans when trump was the president nasa's lunar landing module and and they're they're using it as a hot, basically a waypoint uh on the way to mars it will happen if you prioritize it. And I'm a little bit stunned at how the left, you know, they mock Space Force, they mock all these things. Um, you know, Elon Musk is like, you know, once upon a time a progressive, and I still think you should watch it out, don't trust him. But, you know, if you're on the right, don't don't think he's gonna become like a Trump conservative tomorrow. That's not gonna happen. But I am shocked, Frank, that the so-called progressives who are always like worried that we're going to be dead in 12 years, right? Like four years ago, and AOC said we're going to be dead in 12 years from climate change. Then why don't you prioritize uh, these programs? You know, they don't. They spend money on buying votes, domestic BS, when the priority for the human race should be making sure, you know, that we, we survive. Well, they, they, um, they want to turn Earth into Mars. That's the problem. If they can get all... <laughs> if, if they can just turn... If they can get all the power... All the power that they're seeking right now with all of their globalist friends, and perhaps they can turn Earth into a red desert. I don't know. Well, anyway, Rich, like <laughs> I said, never know, after, the, after the election's behind us, it's going to be a nice, long fall and winter, and we can talk about a whole bunch of shit. And I, uh, I, I, I really appreciate you so much, and thanks for coming on again, man. Hey, man, all, all the best. Right back at you. I'll see you soon, okay? All right. Take care. Be well. There you go. Rich Barris, People's Pundit Daily, Big Data Poll. And I have the link to his locals in the description of this episode, no matter where you're watching or listening. And, um, and yeah, I will not be moving to Mars. I'm living and dying here on our uh, native planet. But is it the native planet? I don't know. We will see if that planet X shows up soon and our Anunnaki... Friends return and say, hello, you pieces of shit. It's time to pay the piper. Give us your gold. All right, it's 8.33. Don't go anywhere. Can I take your super chats? We're going to talk. Last 25 minutes, I'll appreciate the company. We're, we're not slowing down. This is not, oh, okay, the, the show's winding down. I know how this goes. No, you don't know how it ends. I don't even know how it ends. That's the beauty of this thing. All right? So don't go. Did I even load up my intermission video? No, I didn't. I didn't. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back.
entering. Quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Quite frankly in Roma Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I really like you. You're very smart. So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? All right. So I am going to be going through some of our super chats now and a few other things. First of all, just a, a couple of quick announcements. The first one is that I have our four, one, two, three, four, five open threads for the show posted on Discord on the announcement section, and I just reposted it again on the official, quite frankly, Telegram. Um, these open threads on our brand new independent forum, which everybody should be signing up for, especially all of you who said, no, I will never go on Reddit. Now you have no excuse. It is not, this is not even connected to a larger social media network. It's just for us. And this is how, uh, it's gonna take a little bit of time for me to build up the momentum that I had with the Reddit. Because when I posted a show thread, people would just start flooding in because there's almost 18,000 people there. Anyway, I have this. Wanted. Wild stories from the medical field. Are you a doctor, a nurse, medical professional, ambulance driver? We want your best stories. Gross, funny, weird, creepy, whatever it is. Go for it. Have you ever been catfished? This is very important. We have a very odd, very weird, and very sadistic catfish story to tell you about. I'll save my story for that evening. Because I still have a lot. I, I saved all of my my investigative data on that from years ago. Reoccurring dreams or recurring dreams. Don't want to. One thing or another. Dreams that have popped up and keep coming back. Doesn't have to be every night, but it can be every so often. That's open up. Walking in on your parents doing it. As I said on Saturday, your horror story is our funny. And I already have a couple of entries there that are just, they're fantastic. This is hilarious. I can't wait to do it. That'll be a Saturday night show. I have to clip out the, the Mickey Mantle piece from Saturday night. I listened back. I don't listen back to the shows, but Sunday morning I went to listen back to that and I had a good laugh. And strange things you have found or seen in the woods. Those are the four things that I have up. The strange things in the woods that has, that has fall time, autumn, night, I'm quite frankly written all over it. I also have a, quite a bit of people who, um, quite a few people who have responded about the, the short episode with William Stoll about mystic quests that he's on and, you know, people talking about psychic development and, 
and um, channeling and out-of-body experiences and what is appropriate, what isn't, what could and what should be done and where it all leads. I have plenty of that. Maybe I can do that in the second half tomorrow after Leo Zagami. I hope that he's coming on. I don't think I got a confirmation yet, but we'll see. Um, and then we have... Then we have this. I want to read this real quick. Now, this was on Friday night. I read this accidental revolution with Matt and Ping Trip on AmericanMind.org by Aristophanes, who I called Friday night for some reason, first time in my life, Aristophane. I, Lauren could tell you. I was kicking myself. Periodically, Friday night, I had gotten home. I go, oh. Shake my head. Lauren was like, what? I said, I kept saying Aristophanes instead of Aristophanes. I, that's it. I was, I was shaking my head the way out the door. Ugh. I hate when things like that happen to me. But it's live. What are we going to do? I want to read this one part again because it really was cozy. Accidental Revolution, which I think is so well done in talking about where we are and how we got here. But Aristophanes opened up by talking about his his uncle. I'm going to read the first three paragraphs because it culminates with this one that I, I I really want to harp on a little bit before we get to your super chats. America is going crazy. Normal people sense the mood. Something is wrong. They can't describe it. The source of their discontent of our national disorder is the Internet, the digital revolution. The Internet is the biggest invention to impact the distribution of information in hundreds of years since Gutenberg invented movable type, which opened the gate to Protestantism and Copernicus. Now Gutenberg 2.0 threatens to create similar bloodshed. My uncle is an old-school conspiracy theorist, an army vet turned truck driver, an artifact from when pursuit of forbidden knowledge was difficult, books acquired from libraries and stores, late-night journeys on lonely highways listening to -to coast-to-coast AM radio, pamphlets from a gun show, a meeting of the minds of 30 men on the same CB radio channel, pioneers contemplating information with the geographical and technological range to be the first frog community. Now, I love this. I love this so much. Right there. An artifact from the pursuit of forbidden knowledge was difficult. Books acquired from libraries and stores. You just think about those dusty old books from somebody hoping that in many years after they pass away, somebody will find their account that has been, for the most part, washed over by new narratives and new stories, official stories, late night journeys on lonely highways listening to coast to coast, the AM radio, whether it's a highway or whether it's just a small AM transistor radio, a human voice crackling through in the middle of a forest, a, a, you know, a camp, whatever the hell it is. That's why I'll always, that, this paragraph got me thinking about it all weekend. It's exactly why we do what has always been so fun and alluring to me on this show. I understand that many of you listen to me on a digital sphere. It's not through the airwaves, but I I do wish it was in some ways, and I hope that that can be brought back one day. The pamphlets thing, I've gotten the pamphlets at flea markets in the 90s of uh, pamphlets about 
alien encounters and this and that. Of course, there was the big tabloids, but they weren't cozy enough. You can get those anywhere. Individual publishers, pirate radio, CB radio. I loved CB radio. I got my first CB radio in 95 or 96. It was a Radio Shack TRC-222. You can go check them out. And then my first base station was a TRC-495. And I got I got a couple other attachments. I forgot what... Um, the which uh, which meters I, I was buying meters and everything else, and uh, my mother actually allowed me to put a 24 foot. Uh, it was a it was a three part antenna on the side of our house. I could only get it. I got my uncle to put it on this bracket it on the side of my house, so the 24 foot antenna only peaked above the roof about three feet. If I can get it up on the chimney, then I would be able to. God knows who I'd be talking to at that point. But I love the CB radio. I love learning the etiquette, sideband, all that stuff. And, um, but yeah, that, that, uh, this is just so cozy. And that's why I say you, you can keep television for all I care. You can throw it away. It doesn't matter. That is definitely obsolete. But radio will always be a miraculous medium to me. And I would love to win it back somehow. I really would. And all this stuff. Conversations I have with Rich Barris on tonight, Leo tomorrow, anybody that I bring on and we talk about things that you wouldn't find anywhere else. There's plenty of shows like that on the internet, but this is the reason why I do it. It's always been a mass communication thing. I think it's a miracle. Yes, yes, indeed. 844. Let's go to these super chats. First one up is Larkstar444. Since you will be away for my birthday, Frank, would you consider auctioning off a copy of your wallpaper painting that is in your kitchen when you return? A copy of a wallpaper painting that is in your kitchen when you return? Uh, what do you mean? Well, we just, we framed a bit of the old wallpaper that was behind our wall that my grandparents put up. But I don't know how to copy it. I'm not going to take it out of the frame, and so I don't, I don't know how I can help you out there. <laughs> I, I am going to auction this off, though. Here's another, uh, our set list, and a stick that was just about to break. See? I lost the, uh, I lost the head of the stick. And it just started splintering. So I'm going to be sending out another set to charge set list. And a drumstick. I will get the band to sign it, and we will send it out to you after vacation. So everybody who sends a super chat from now until when I come back from vacation. So that means you can send a super chat at any point next week. And I will, uh, I will tell you who the winner of the, the drumstick and the set list and whatever else I can stuff inside of the, the envelope is the day after Labor Day. So just think about that. Everybody who's already put in for tonight, you're into it. You've already been entered. I don't know how I'm going to help Lark out, though. Dooku Dan says, Frank, how would you, how would John Sterling interview Zagami? Leo, do you know that the government has lasers in orbit? Leo, have you ever heard of R rods from God. I don't. I don't know what we do. Isn't it amazing? You just can't predict baseball. I don't know. I had to think about that. I had to write that one out. The the, the Mickey Mantle thing was just perfect. 
because all I had to do was read. Uh, Captain Castine says, hello, Frank. My hypothesis is that Biden won't make it to the end of the year. And in the transition of power is when the shit will hit the fan. Love it. Uh, love the conversation tonight. Transition of power. Between he and, you mean the transition to Kamala, you mean? Swickley says, hey, Frank, just over, uh, just over here, extremely violent enjoying the beautiful Wisconsin sunset violently enjoying blessings to you and yours Wow I've watched quite a few sunsets in my time I don't know how violent it's been but I guess I can try that one day Joel from AR from error from AR from Arkansas no that's a yeah that's AR right yes because Alaska is AK Brother man, find uh, find story of ice unlocking gates. National Guard locked. I hate Abbott, but what's he to do when he closes the border and uh, but the feds but the feds open it up? Well, here's the thing. What is he to do? Uh, put him back over. If the feds open him up, I mean you you've got to arrest feds, arrest the feds. The feds are breaking the law at that point. I, this is the okay. Here's the we go back to the Civil War thread. We're going back to the Civil War thread. What's the most likely way that something would pop off? It's when states finally say the federal government is in breach of its contract. It's out of control, and we are suffering for it individually. And we are going to assert our authority as is prescribed to us. Actually, is is mostly everything to be able to preserve our life. And our dignity here. Going to have to start arresting some feds if they're breaking the law. But breaking the law double time and funneling them into the interior of the country, which is not even going to, not even a guarantee that they're going to stay where you're sending them. That's number one. And number two, you've heard these interviews with the illegal aliens at the border. They're telling you where they're going. They're coming to New York anyway. You're just getting them here faster. While the federal government is flying people in by the hundreds into county county airports in New York. I mean, we're, we're just helping them out. This is a plan that they have put in place and they have adopted already. So m- maybe they'll come up with some way to, I don't know, I don't know what, what, the, what, the, what the media war aspect of that will be, but it's obviously not something they are, they don't, that they're like really, really upset about. We'll talk about it, though. We definitely will. Uh, Buckeye Steve. I asked Buckeye Steve's question to Rich Barris. Fiscally conservative. Oh, this was, this was from two days ago. Thank you again, fiscally conservative, socially retarded. Thank you so much. Nothing on Rockfin, but there's 30 people hanging out, just the way I like seeing it. Selling the farm, says praying for Skip. Thank you. Skip needs a lot of prayers. I was there today again. It's... I got to talk about that tomorrow because I saw a an article that came out of Yale that I think is very interesting and I believe every word. So we'll talk about it, no doubt. On Foxhole, Paulie 9363 says, Yes, Frank, two wrongs make one right every time. Okay. Daisy Chain says, Yes, but two rights and you're going back the way you came. Seabland says, Build the wall, FJB. We ain't going anywhere. Ohio Kimmy, great guest. Always a great guest, says Jay Brewskies. Sean Joe, thank you. Witchy Poo, thank you. 
Sweet Hooligan says, let's go. Just because, sent a cookie. Now all the cookie wars begin. Sean Joe Wichipoo, just because. 123SKG says, great fast-paced energy with your guests. Rich Barris is good for that. Very little preparation I need. Just a couple of thoughts, and I know that we can roll for an hour easily. Uh, Jay Brewski, Sean Joe, just because. Wichipoo, they're all out doing each other now. And we get down to Pam D. Thank you, Pam D. And 123SKG says, a can to celebrate Fauci announcing his exit. Hope he is held accountable at some point. Yeah. Yes, but you know, here, here's another thing I, I've seen. A thread from, from Saturday night when Human Vibration was on for a little bit. Uh, a few people said that they actually believe some of her theories on people like Jeffrey Epstein not existing because nobody's ever held accountable. And um, say, well, if accountability is proof of existence, then I guess Hillary Clinton is not real. Neither was her her uh, home set up with the server in Chappaqua. Uh, Anthony Fauci and his crimes are not real. They're not. Uh, I mean, every time he went on television, he wasn't a real person because is he really going to be held accountable? He's too well insulated. I had, I had somebody ask me. Um, do you think that this has anything to do with the upcoming, you know, Senate Rand Paul saying that he's going to get to the bottom of of what happened with the 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 lab and all that shit? I said, what does it matter? What does it matter? Uh, he can still be subpoenaed as a as a private citizen, and and who is going to be who's going to do anything? Don't know. So I think about that. We had some good talks over the weekend. We sure did. Uh. All right. All right. I think that's all I have for you tonight. It's 8.52. I'm going to release the scratching over there on Foxhole. Now, on Quite Frankly Not TV, it's Mystery Movie Monday. So I hope you're all hanging out, getting ready to see what is going to be thrown your way. What wonderful entertainment is going to be triggered for the rest of the evening. We had good stuff last night that I I had um, curated. Hope you enjoyed it. It was going until at least 4 o'clock in the morning. And that's who you have. Here's a little bit more before we leave, just on what's going on with, with uh, Russia. Russian FSB identifies alleged Dugina assassin. Blue apples. The turn of the 20th century, the delicate fabric of social order in Europe rested on a knife's edge. As imperial powers expanded their empires, it was only a matter of time before conflict between them would shatter peace in Europe. In that era, Russia found itself against Europe's most powerful empires, namely Austria, Hungary, and Germany. Obviously, you know where this is going. The assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. They want to know, is this going to be the tipping point? That NATO and the and the, uh, the West and all of their agents in Ukraine, they say S- 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 um, uh, FSB alleges that Ukrainian spy Natalia Volk assassinated Daria Dugina. So... Um, Putin calls the murder a dastardly brutal crime. Let's let's be honest. The West, NATO, and all of its intelligence assets have been trying to find what that tipping point is going to be. But as I said before, the Daily Mirror is reporting things like this as of two days ago. British soldiers told to get ready for war against Russia and prepare loved ones. Warrant Officer Paul Carney 
said soldiers should prepare their families for possibility of being sent to Ukraine to fight Russia in a war which has now been going on for six months. So, edging, edging, edging. Edging, edging, edging. We'll see where it all goes. But thank you guys and gals for everything. Tomorrow's another night. Hopefully we have a good time. And um, and we, we have, we're joined by Leo Zagami. You just never know. But hopefully he's, he shows up. Dooku Dan says, in Athens, Greece, a man takes a pair of trousers to a tailor. The tailor keeps the pants and hooks them up. He turns to the man and says, Euripides? Yes, the man responds. Eumenides. 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 You know what? You're screwing with me. Dooku Dan. Because these Greek names are screwing with me. Now I'm self-conscious about the Greek names. I thought I hated the French. That's it. I'm out of here. Now you've you've made me upset. I'm leaving. Good night, everybody. Have a wonderful night. See you tomorrow. Get to QuiteFrankly.tv to enjoy the rest of the evening with me. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience, and now our super chatters, starting with Dooku Dan, Larkstar, Dooku Dan, Captain Cast Iron, Swickly, Joel from Arkansas, Buckeye Steve. And uh, everybody over there with the gold pills and selling the farm on Rumble, please, ladies and gentlemen, go and make sure that you subscribe to, quite frankly, on Rumble going forward. There's a lot more censorship going on, and uh, it's a good substitution for YouTube. See you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock.